This is In Blue, a reptile podcast where we talk to some of your favorite reptile keepers, hoping to find out what they just can't live without. We want to bring you closer to some amazing people sharing their stories and experiences about life and the animals they love. Join us as we go deep in blue to shed what we know and gain a fresh new perspective about reptiles and their keepers. Hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Heidi. Welcome to In Blue Podcast. Joining us today is Warren Booth. Hi, Warren. Hi, Warren. Hi how are you? Good. How are you? Wonderful. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty awesome. Good. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Awesome. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? From like the beginning or where do you want to know it from? Wherever you want to start. Yeah. Uh, from, I'm so right now I'm a... I live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm a, an associate professor at the University of Tulsa for the moment. Um, and I am an evolutionary biologist and evolutionary geneticist. Um, but my link to reptiles is that I've been keeping and breeding snakes for about 27 years. So um, what, I'm 44, so I, I started keeping them when I was 17. And I've had them continuously all the way through, mainly um, Corallus tree boas and boa constrictors. Uh, and then I did a stupid thing and got into ball pythons for a bit and then I got out of ball pythons, right? Um, and then I got back into them and then I got out of them again. Um, but consistently I've had um, boas, um, like tree boas, like the ones behind me. Um, these are in my office at my lab um, or, um, or or ground boas, boa constrictors for, for all that time. And I keep a few other things, you know, like womas and sanzania and rainbow boas and stuff like that there as well, but mainly, mainly boa constrictors and um, and Corallus tree boas and um, what else? So I've got about all together. There's, there's probably about 130 of those. Probably about 60 of them are tree boas. About 60 or 70 are ground boas, and then there's other little odds and ends here and there. And um, uh, I'm a board member of US Arc. I have been for the last 15 15 years, 14 years. So myself and Jeff Ronnie and Ralph Davis, I think, are the longest serving board members on US Arc. So we've been at that for a while. And um, and I think that's about it. I don't know if there's anything else interesting about me or even if that's interesting at all. Oh, I'm, I'm from Belfast, Northern Ireland. I'm not from the US. So that's uh, pretty cool, though. I was like, that's interesting. I love listening to you talk. Yeah, I've, I've lived here, <laughs> I've lived in the US for 16 years. So first in, um, in Raleigh, North Carolina for about six, just over six. And then I've been in Tulsa for 10 years. Awesome. So, what about family? Uh, yes, married, two kids. Uh, my wife's also from Northern Ireland. Um, we've been together um, 27 years also, maybe. Uh, married, not that long, uh, maybe about 13 years, I need to check. Um, and then I got a four-year-old and a seven-year-old. So, yeah, everything's good. Kind of crazy. They're young. <laughs> yeah, they are. You know, we decided we were part of this kind of like, you know, let's wait until... We finished our degrees then let's wait until i finish my phd and then let's wait until i finish the postdoc and then let's wait <laughs> and the longer we waited the older we got um so yeah um, thankfully there's there's going to be no more so two is the number that's fine a boy and a girl uh yeah. so we're, we're stuck at that there so yeah it's all pretty cool. good it's like and two's a great number hmm? i said two is a great number it was a great number one would be nicer but i love both my kids so two is a great number <laughs> i like having two <laughs> 
And your your kids like you guys are super outdoorsy and stuff like that, right? Like, uh, well, we try to be, right? You know, so um, whenever we can, you know, we're we're lucky in that we live in this really uh, cool neighborhood where everything's walkable. You know, I can walk to work in fifteen minutes, and my wife can walk to the school that she's a assistant principal at in fifteen minutes, and our kids are. 10 minutes away from us in their school. So we, you know, we can walk, we live in this three mile bubble, um, but we do try to get out and about whenever we can. Um, there's a potential of me, of us moving to Virginia um, and up into the Shenandoah Valley up um, in Blacksburg, Virginia. And that is really outdoorsy. So there'll be a lot of opportunity for that there. Um, but we try to do, you know, we, we go on, whenever we go on vacation, we head back to the Outer Banks in North Carolina and try and be outdoors as much as we can. So yeah, whenever we can be outdoors, we, we do it. You know, so, so you're 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 both in Texas, is that right? Yes. Yeah. So you know, your weather's not dramatically different than mine, I suppose. Um, so whenever we can get out, we can get out. So what do you like to do for fun? Uh, for fun, um, well, with two kids, <laughs> um, what I do like to do, um, I play guitar. Well, I play bass. Um, so I've been playing bass for like thirty something years. So I like to do that whenever I can. Uh, most of the fun stuff is keeping reptiles. So, you know, while we do some research on reptiles in my lab, I also, as I say, keep a lot of them at home. So I like to kind of, well, I suppose, do I really like doing that? Because you're just cleaning up snakes. I don't know if that's fun. But, <laughs> <Andy>. <laughs> and my kids don't help with that. Um, but yeah, I like doing that kind of thing, you know. And um, what else do I like to do? You know, I like my work. You know, I really, I'm, I'm kind of a lucky person in that I've never felt that I've had a real job, you know, I, I was in my, my undergrad and then I moved on to my PhD and then I moved into postdoctoral positions and then a faculty position. And it's kind of never felt that I've had a real job, you know, because I'm not on a nine to five kind of schedule. I can, you know, for if I teach a couple of classes, so as long as I come in and teach those, I can work from home the rest of the time or a lot of that time. But, you know, it's not uncommon for me to be in here at night working and whatever I can, because I live so close. So I kind of get a lot out of that there, you know, it's, it's kind of a weird thing to have, you know, is it really fun? But I, I find it fun, you know, maybe I'm just a nerd, but so. <laughs> Did you, do you play bass in a band or you just practice? I don't, I used to, back in Northern Ireland, I did a lot. I played like maybe four or five nights a week um, during my PhD and during my degree. I played in a bunch of different bands, which is really cool. And then when I moved to North Carolina, I played there a bit, but in the 10 years that I've lived in Tulsa, I, I haven't. I just don't have time, you know, I've been so busy with work and then with kids, it's difficult. And, and also in Northern Ireland, I played with musicians that were just a really high caliber and finding people like that again is really difficult. So whenever you play bass, you want to play with a really good drummer. And if you play with people where the drummer is not so great, then it just sounds terrible. So I'm more likely to plug in and play along with my iPhone or whatever at home than, than anything, you know, and it's funny because, you know, I moved to the US with one bass guitar. I left one in Northern Ireland and like a laptop and a suitcase. And now I've got this 2,800 square foot house with seven bass guitars. And I don't know how I've accumulated bass guitars over the last handful of years. And my wife doesn't know either. I'm not, you know, but, um, and I'm not even playing in bands. So it's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> I will again at some point, I'm sure, you know. What kind of music do you like to play? I like everything. I, uh, you know, everything. It was fun playing in bands back home. It was kind of like we played in, we had a, an original band that was very much like, kind of Foo Fighters, Audio Slave kind of stuff. Nice. And then we had like wedding bands and corporate bands that we, you know, we did a lot of work for, for Guinness. We, we played a lot of their corporate stuff. And that was everything from Barry White to Bon Jovi, you know, it's the typical kind of wedding band type thing, you know, with a, 
horn section and it was that was really cool you know so i just like i, I like music I, i'm not into rap so don't ask me <laughs> but, uh, anything that's got a good baseline i kind of like you know so, yeah. what about traveling traveling i like to i like to travel uh whenever i can normally with my job i travel a lot obviously in the last couple of years we haven't um but normally i, I travel a couple of times a year to different parts of the u.s and then in the fall of most years, I, I take students to Costa Rica, uh, where we spend uh, about 10 or 11 nights in a rainforest as part of a tropical ecology course. So I get to take them there and uh, kind of, it's kind of cool, you know, it's a really, um, it's a pretty high-end rainforest kind of um, research lab and research facility. So the, the accommodation is great, but it means every night I can take them into the rainforest and you know, at night, that's when everything's happening. So after dinner, you know, you take them in and that's whenever you see some cool things, you know, lots of snakes and lots of amphibians. And um, normally during the day, and at night we see a lot of mammals. The only mammals that we see during the day are kind of like peccaries and the odd jaguar, you know, here and there, but um, the cool stuff comes out at night. So, so I like to travel that way. Um, prior to COVID, I was meant to um, head to Australia. I've never been there before, but myself and a friend of mine, Nick Mutton, we're going to go over to to Australia to um, to look for rough scale pythons, and uh, just as we were about to book, um, it all turned to crap, and that didn't happen. So <laughs> um, I was kind of excited about that. It was like five flights there, and it was, was going to be amazing, but um, so that didn't happen. So I haven't done Australia yet. I keep trying to plan Indonesia to do some sampling, just at museums, because we're doing some scrub python work, and I, it would be kind of cool to go there, but. Um, uh, and then, of course, I, I go to Ireland a lot. You know, being from Ireland, I go there probably about every two years. So, but that you know, for everybody else, that's really exciting. For me, it's just going home. So it's kind of like, uh, <laughs> like, like I, I want to go. Nice. It's great to see family. And having not lived there in sixteen years, I'm I'm really much more of a tourist now. Um, so every time I go back, I see everything's changed. So it's um, I suppose it's fun to do that there. But you know, it's amazing. I get so many people coming up to me, and they're like, "Oh, I've been to the Cliffs of Moher in Ireland, and I've been to here and there." And I'm like, "I've never, never been there." But I can say that I've been up and down the east coast of the U.S. and a lot of, covered a lot of the states in the U.S. just with, with work and going to different meetings and stuff. And they haven't done that. So I suppose it's whenever you're from somewhere, I suppose you don't really take advantage of it as much as you could. Um, but you know, I, I do like going home. We're gonna we're gonna head back next summer. Take the kids now that they're a little bit older. Um, um, I like driving, so you know whether we drive over to the Outer Banks, you know, it's like a twenty-two hour drive. Okay. To go to different places, or else um, a friend of mine, um, Bob Ashley, who does the um, NARBC shows with, yeah. um, he lives out in New Mexico, so I'll go out and see him every so often, maybe once or twice a year, and it's about a it's a thousand miles from my house, so it's like sixteen hour drive or something, it's kind of fun. Yeah. So. so does your wife um, is she involved with the reptiles at all? No. <laughs> <laughs> what about the kids? Do no. they like them? No, it's funny the kids because they because they've grown up around them they don't really care you know it's yeah you know like with boas i can tell whenever they're they're, they're going to give birth you know like most people if you know you read whether it's a ball python or whatever you get the idea that it's going to give birth the next day or whatever or that night so i'll tell the kids i think it's going to give birth tonight or tomorrow and in the morning we'll go down to the basement and we'll check it out and there's a female giving birth or just giving birth and the kids are just like oh yeah whatever <laughs> we have a couple of tortoises and they're really into the tortoises that's but cool. the snakes, they don't. They couldn't care about the snakes. And I've tried, you know. I've been like, Sophie, do you want me to? Whenever I was breeding ball pythons, I was like, do you want me to? You know, you can have this little ball python for your bedroom. And she's just like, no, no, it's okay. 
No. Which is great because she doesn't. She's not into ball pythons, which is great. You know, <laughs> it worked really well. Um, but she also doesn't want a boa or anything. You know, so uh, maybe that'll change. I don't know. But she, she, she really likes the tortoises, at least for a couple of minutes. You know, so as long as you can feed them and then move on, that's fun. Yeah, it's funny because I was just talking to my son this weekend and he's the same way. Like he grew up around them. So he was indifferent about them his whole life. And now that he has his own apartment, he's like, I think I might actually get a pet. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. yeah, he's talking about getting a, a bearded dragon or just something to because yeah. he's in his apartment by him. He has his own apartment now by himself. And so he was just thinking about having something else there to keep him company. Yeah, yeah I think my daughter, you know, we've got a dog. And I think my daughter would be much more interested in having a cat or a guinea pig or a hamster or whatever, but snakes are just like, nah, they're, they're there anyway. I think she, somebody said to her, or maybe it was my son, they said something about snakes. And she's like, oh, we got a load of those in the basement. Yeah, that's boring. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Great. they're boring. These are amazing. These are some of the rarest species on the planet. How, how can these be boring to you? And she's like, oh, I just see them every day. Yeah, they're just snakes. You know, and, and I'll try and get them to help me clean them, and they're just not interested at all. I'll offer to pay them. They won't do it, you know, so. You know, I think once you're raised around it, it just becomes boring, so. So I'm glad they're... mine are interested. Well, at least my youngest. He's almost 12, and he's into the colubrids. Ah. And then uh, my oldest, she has a couple bearded dragons, but that's about it. Mm -hmm. What colubrids? Uh, he's got milk snakes, corn snakes, king snakes, hog nose. Uh, I have a couple of Vietnamese blue beauties that he really likes too. So, yeah, yeah. colubrids are a lot of fun. I I used to keep a lot of them back in Ireland. I had um there was a researcher whenever I was doing my PhD. There was a researcher working in psychology, um, uh, who was using snakes as a system to study um, enrichment in cages. You know, if you make the cage really fancy, are the snakes happier or not? And the, the results that she was getting were were kind of mixed. They, they showed kind of indifference, but. They needed to get a bunch of snakes to study this and i sourced them i think like 100 corn snakes oh wow and they raised them up for for three years put them through this these studies and at the end of it they called me up and said right Warren, we need to we need to move these snakes and i said right look i can see about selling them and they're like no no just come and take them <laughs> so I, went up, I went up to the animal facility and i walked down with 100 corn snakes 50 males and 50 females and i was like what am i going to do and i sold i think i sold sold 40 males and I sold some like 20 females and I kept 40 of them at home. I don't know why I kept 40 <laughs> and, um, and bred those at the wazoo um, to the point that they, that I, I had, didn't have incubators for the eggs. So I was just putting them on shelves in my room. I forget about them. And I'd look up like weeks later, I was like, Oh shit. And, and there's a bunch of little corn snakes going around and I sold them to pet stores and it was really good. But the corn snakes, any calibers are great, but they eat so frequently. They do. And they defecate so much and they definitely have that yeah. that aroma about them that mm -hmm. I've decided. I, I, try, I stupidly got into some colubrids again recently, a couple of years ago, some Nelson's king snakes and some um, hognose and something else. Some, um, what was the other one? Therai, some variable king snakes. Mm -hmm. But sensibly over the last couple of weeks, I've sold them all again. I've just got two, two hognose snakes left. So <laughs> I get into these little phases of like, oh, that's really cool. And then I'm like, yeah, but I've just added 20 more snakes and I don't need that. So it's time to move them out again. So. I recently added seven Doomerals boas to my collection. So really, oh, they're really cool. But yeah, I have a 2.5 and I absolutely love them. They're fascinating. They're cool. The reason they're, they're, well, they're cool for a couple of reasons. They're cool because 
biologically they're neat because all other boas and pythons that we know have XY sex chromosomes, right? Just like mammals. Mm -hmm. Whereas all other snakes have Z and W like birds. But Dumeril's boas evolved, uh, they have ZW sex chromosomes. So they're totally different than the, than the boas. The Madagascan stuff are just really unique and odd. So um, they're, they're really cool. But the other reason they're cool is they go in and out of fashion so often, right? And you see them and they, they're like rainbow boas. They ride these waves. And one year you can't give them away and the next year they're a thousand dollars each. And I'm always yeah. telling people just keep them because they, they will always be at a point where you can definitely breed them and make money. They don't produce tons of babies and the babies mm -hmm. are big and they're, they're easy to sell whenever you've got them generally, you know, if you're in the right part of that wave. So yeah, they actually might be two species, dumerals. There's been work done on them that kind of shows that they're, they might be two distinct species or two distinct subspecies. Because they show some size variation. There's ones that are really quite small, and people would call them dwarfs. And there's ones that are regular, which are like six or eight feet long. So I like I, I, I like them a lot. Yeah. yeah, I like them a lot. And if I had space, I would probably I would probably have at least a pair. Why is it, I don't know why I want to have a pair of things. You know, why not just have one? You know? <laughs> 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 just need one. <laughs> but I'll breed that. I don't need to breed it, but I'll do that. So you go, you guys. Well, you go down to the Amazon for classes. Like, what do you what do you guys do when you're down there? Well, yeah, so it's not the Amazon, but we go into the rainforest in Costa Rica. Oh, it's really quite similar. It really is. A lot of the same things are there. Um, well, it's a course that's based on, kind of, for students, just kind of, it's one of these things that we call experiential learning, where you want to bring mm -hmm. students like, into the field and let them really experience stuff instead of just hearing lectures, which can go in one ear and out the other. Whenever they're actually there and experiencing it, it's a totally different story. So... Um, you know, we'll talk about some just real key kind of ecological concepts about how animals evolve and and kind of behave in rainforest systems. Um, they'll develop projects where they can go and test some hypotheses over the space of seven or nine days. Um, but every, for me, it's more of just getting them there because then I can take them out on day hikes and they can see what's going on in rainforest. Because, you know, you might think that rainforests are cool and you get an idea of what they are. But until you're there, like they're they're just amazing. Um, it's not like any forest that we've got here, you know, every part of that's that everything in front of you is just filled with stuff. There's things growing on things that are growing on other things. Uh, it's just a, a really remarkable system. And then you go from day to night and it changes entirely. You know, during the day, a lot of the little frogs, like red eyed tree frogs are all quiet and they're sitting underneath leaves. And at night they're all active and they're doing stuff. And it's just a, a really different system. And the, and the, the kids just, well, what am I saying? The kids are like 20 years old. But they're um, they're just blown away by it. Every group that we've brought have, have turned around and just been amazed by it. It's, it's kind of funny because the university classifies it as their most dangerous course, but also the um, the one that students are always kind of raving about. And in fact, we got we got a travel endowment donated by some by a family here um, of like fifty thousand dollars because of the tropical ecology course. Because of the idea, like students coming back from that, were just amazed by the whole. You know, the, a lot of them will never see a rainforest again. And the way deforestation is going on, they might, even if they want to, they might not, not get a chance. Yeah. It also just gives me a chance to go down and sit and, you know, drink, well, not coffee anymore, but tea or whatever, just on, in the rainforest and just have fun. Yeah, it's just, it's just, I love it. You know, in fact, I, I overload my teaching. I teach that course for free just because I love going there. You know, so it's, it's just a blast. It's, um, you know, Whenever you see things like feral ants, you know, these 
well, we've seen baby fertile ants up to six feet long, and those are kind of mind-blowing. The kids are kind of amazed at those things, that they're highly venomous snakes that are right there, and they're the most common thing we see. But then you see some cool tree boas and just a whole variety of different things. You know, it's just everything there wants to hurt you in many ways. <laughs> trying to make sure that students don't touch things. Um, it's just a lot of fun. You know, I, I just, uh, I love it. You know, they're, we've got the course planned for this year. And assuming, well, if my move happens and that's all over, I won't be teaching that course anymore. But so far, if I'm still here, if I decide to stay here, then um, then I'll be teaching that course this fall. It sucks because of COVID. We had to cancel it two years in a row. Um, but um, hopefully, uh, you know, it's it's on for this year. It's just up to me whether I'm here or not. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. Where's like, your favorite place in the U.S.? Uh, where's my favorite place? Um, it would be... Where is my favorite? Well, I love the East Coast. I love the Outer Banks, and I love the Blue Ridge kind of Parkway, the the Appalachian Mountains. Yes. So that's one kind of area that I love. The other one is I, I love going to um, uh, the kind of the Chiricahua Mountains. Um, so I where Bob Ashley lives in the where he's right. got the Chiricahua, Chiricahua Desert Museum. So it's in Rodeo, New Mexico, right on the border with um, with our uh, with Arizona. So it's kind of like Portal Road, which is a really famous kind of snake kind of road you know there's lots of i think there's what is it maybe over a dozen species of rattlesnakes there and there's just everything it's just remarkable but you go there in the monsoon season in the in the summer and it's just it's just mind-blowing the scenery is amazing and the animals that you see are just out of this world so um i think that's probably another place that i really like you know it's funny the first time i went there was maybe uh maybe five years ago, four years ago. And I was like, why would anybody want to live in this desolate place? If you want to, if you want a beer, you don't have it. You've got to drive like 40 miles to the nearest place to get it. I'm like, why would you want to live there? And then every time I go back, I'm like, oh, I could, I could really like, you know, I was there last October myself and a friend of mine, I'm Dave Barker, mm -hmm. ah. me and Dave and another guy, Rich Eiley, who used to breed a lot of boas. So any of the salmon boas that you might have heard of, the hypomelanistic, mm -hmm. the guy that really brought those into, into, into kind of captivity in the, in the kind of modern keeping, well, he was one of the people. But the three of us, we, um, we, had, we had a cabin at Bob Ashley's place, and we just sat and drank a lot of really expensive whiskey that Dave bought and just talked. Yeah. You know, it's just amazing. It's just the landscape's just out of this world. So I think there, I think that's one of the places that I, that I like a lot more than I th thought I would have. You know, as I say, the first time I was there, I was just like, I've got no idea why you would live here. But now I totally understand it. You know, it's just great. So the totally different areas, you know. Yeah. Relations to that are night and day different. But I think right. That's... Like you've got waterfalls on one side and yeah. desert on the other. It's just awesome. And the drive there is a lot of fun. You know, I every other time I've, I've went there, I've flown. But this time I decided to drive. And it was 16 hours. I think it was about 16 hours. My plan was to leave Tulsa at like four in the morning and get to Roswell and stay in Roswell. I've never been to Roswell before, so I thought that'd be kind of cool. But I hit there really early. I think I got there about lunchtime and I got to a crossroad or a junction and it was like left was Roswell and I could see it in the distance and right was going to Bob's place and my 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 maps were telling me that I could be at Bob's at like six hours. I thought that means I'll be at Bob's at like six, six o'clock or 6.30. That means I'll be drinking a margarita at 6.45. I'm going to Bob's and I just kept driving. I stopped <laughs> to urinate and that was it. And 16 hours drive. And it was cool because you see the whole landscape transition as you go that whole way, which is kind of really neat. 
you know, and I like the opposite way, you know, going out to the Outer Banks, like to the East Coast, because then again, you go over the Ozarks, and then you go for a bit, and then you go for the Appalachians, and you go for a bit, and it's just really cool, you know, I, I like all of that, yeah. yeah. I like traveling whenever I can, so, you know, and I used to travel a lot more with work, going to different meetings to different places, but with kids, you know, it, it does make it a little bit more difficult, you know, it's, it, I can't exactly turn around and expect my wife to just say okay you go on swan off to your meetings and have fun you know because just just like arlington or tinley um science related meetings while there's all these presentations going on i'm more of just going there to see friends and drink beer and talk science and stuff like that there you know so it, it's not exactly work you know even though i tell my wife it's work i hope she's not <laughs> <laughs> yeah. here we go that sounds like a lot of fun. I uh, I would love to travel more and to some of those places you mentioned. I think it would be a lot of fun. I recently just got back from a cruise uh, without my husband and children. It was it was a uh, me and a girlfriend of mine went, and uh, we were trapsizing through the jungle in Belize, going on our uh, cool. on our cave tubing and ATV and zip lining. And the only thing I saw was an iguana <laughs> and 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 leaf ants. Oh yeah, but where, where was, was the cruise to? We did Costa Maya, Belize, and Cozumel. Oh, cool! Yeah, I've um, so I've done a bunch of cruises, um, both in the Mediterranean and here. You'd think I'm like 80 years old, but I um, <laughs> I actually really like going on cruises. The idea that you just drop your stuff in your room and a day later you're in a totally different place, and then and yep. somebody's making your dinner for you every night. It's wonderful. And they make you um, drinks. And oh, absolutely, it's great. Um, so we did. On our honeymoon, we we did one where we, we were one one of the days we were in Cozumel, and uh, so we spent the day in Cozumel. Well, we went across to mainland Mexico, went to Tulum and all that kind of stuff, and then we came back. And I was checking my email. You know, the problem with this kind of work, you're always attached to email. <laughs> I'm checking my email as much as my wife hated it. While she's got like a little coconut rum drink holding it, and I'm sitting checking my email at the back of the boat. <laughs> And I'd set up this collaboration or this email. I'd been emailing these people in Mexico about working on boa constrictors on Cozumel because they got an invasive speak, an invasive population of boas on Cozumel. And I was really interested in studying the genetics of these, understanding the invasion and kind of how they were spreading and stuff. And uh, I hadn't heard from them. So I'm like, oh, well, screw them. You know, they're not interested. I'm sitting on the boat looking out at Cozumel as we're sailing away from it. And I get an email from that group. They were saying, oh, we'd love to collaborate. And if you're ever in Cozumel, let us know. <laughs> and I was like, I was there like literally two hours ago. How did you and your wife meet? Uh, she was 15. I was 17. And I was in community college. And she was a friend of a friend who came down to see her for lunch one day. And we ended up chatting. And a week later, I asked her out on a date. And 27 years later, she's still stuck with me. So... <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. So yeah, it, yeah, it's been great. You know, she's she's tolerated a lot over time. Because, <laughs> you know, the reason we're here is it's because of me. It's me moving. You know, she had a she's a she, she had a really nice teaching job in Northern Ireland, and then my plan was to move to Raleigh for um, for three years to work in a position, and then move back to either Ireland or or somewhere in the UK or Europe. Mm -hmm. um, and after those three years, I realized I really liked that job. And I was able to get a, another grant funded to do another three years of work or four years of work, at which time she took a career break from her job and moved to Raleigh. And uh, then she got a teaching job in Raleigh and loved that. And then I got offered the job in Tulsa. So she had to give up her job there. 
and she moved to Tulsa. And then she um, she got a job before we even arrived in Tulsa, this really great private school here. And within 10 months, she was department head. And just two years ago, she became assistant principal. And then I'm threatening to take her away from that again, to move somewhere <laughs> different, you know? It's, she's really tolerant, you know? It's, um, bless her. Let's say bless her. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't know that I can yeah, do that. Put up with a lot and then a bunch of snakes in the basement, you know? So it's kind of, <laughs> I feel, I feel, Actually, thinking about it now, I feel really sorry for her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you, you started keeping reptiles about the same time that you guys, I guess, met. Yeah, started just before it. yeah it was just before I met her. I started, I kept leopard geckos. So I had, and a, a friend of mine, a friend called Oliver Jeffers, he's actually a, a really cool children's book writer and illustrator, New York Times bestseller, you know. Now, I, he and I were really good friends in, in high school. His brother Rory had a leopard gecko, and every time I go to his house, I um, I, I was amazed by this leopard gecko. And then um, I was working for my dad at one point, and I went into a house, and there was this kind of like garter snake going around the cage, and I was fascinated by that. And I went home to my mom, and I was like, "Can I get a snake?" And she was like, "Yes." <laughs> and um, I ended up getting a leopard gecko to start off with, and um, and that, that kind of sparked the whole thing. So whenever I met Gemma. I had two leopard geckos and maybe a hognose snake, I think it was. And then it all spiraled horrendously out of control. <laughs> horrendously out of control. <laughs> and it's very different, you know, buying stuff back home then was very different. You know, like there wasn't the the availability in, in Ireland and Northern Ireland. There were, I would have to go over to England to get stuff. So I would, I would get an overnight ferry from Belfast to Liverpool. And we'd drive down to, from there to London or whatever we were going to, and we'd buy the stuff and go all the way back up in this one shot. You know, it was kind of crazy, you know. Um, but, you know, and you still can't. It's not as if you could just FedEx stuff, you know, to pick it up. And, you know, like the stuff that I do now, you know, I FedEx stuff all the time. Yeah. I don't think anything of it. And, um, but you just can't do that back home. So um, if, if you could, if it would have been really horrendous, because God knows what I would have ended up keeping. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, but you know, it, it was a lot of fun. There was a really cool reptile store near me in Belfast that um, sadly is no longer there. But uh, I think, you know, I learned a lot from that there, you know, and, and and I don't know how, but it's just one of those hobbies that stuck with me for, it's one that I've never lost interest in, you know? And, and the fact that I can tie it into some of the stuff that I do here in my lab is kind of cool, you know? So um, it's weird, I'm just in my lab here, I've got a crocodile defrosting at the moment. In fact, there's a Doomerals boa in the freezer. I need to do some. Oh, wow. Um, it's a parthenogenetic um, Doomerals boa. Um, cool. But, um, so it's nice to be able to tie some of that work into this here, you know, and, and that's been, that's allowed me to do other stuff, you know, like writing book chapters for Vin Russo or for Nick, Nick Mutton's new book and stuff like that there, because we can tie a science related aspect into it as well, you know. So it's been good. That's really Have you written any books on your own? No, no, we, we're starting one. Oh, really? We're starting to write a book. In fact, I'm talking to Nick tomorrow about it. We're going to be writing a book. So you, you've seen the, the more complete or the complete series that, that Bob Ashley publishes, the mm -hmm. complete boa, the complete carpopython, all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. We're going to be doing a, the complete tree boa. Um, oh, so it's going okay. to be, you know, all the corallus, the emeralds and sanzinia and stuff like that there. So we're yeah. going to start that it'll, it'll probably take about two years to put it all together but you know we started putting bits and pieces together but that'll be my kind of foray into kind of just 
kind of popular press type writing, you know, away from scientific writing. But I've wanted to do that for a while. And again, it's, it's just getting time and, and doing it on my own. I think I'd always be a little bit distracted because I've got other stuff that I'm doing for my job. Mm-hmm. So, so co-writing it with, with Nick um, and maybe one or two other people should be a lot of fun to do that there. Yeah. It's it, it, you know, it's not something I'll ever make money from. It'll be an entire waste of time. It'll absorb way too much time. My wife will complain probably for a while. Um, but it'll be nice to have a book, you know, because I've got, I've got chapters in various books, but it'd be nice to have a book that I can say is kind of mine, you know. What's uh, something most people don't know about you? <clears throat> I don't know about me. I don't know. What do people not know about me? Sadly, doing all these podcasts, people know a lot about me that I didn't know about me. I don't know. What, what do they not know about me? This is terrible. I should have some kind of level of privacy where I, they don't know about me. I don't know. What do they... I honestly don't know. I really don't. You know? What did you want to be when you grew up? I don't know either. That's terrible, right? What? You don't remember? You'd want to be a superhero, like put no, I didn't a cape on? I, and... I, I try to remember somebody, asked, I think maybe it was my daughter, because she said she wanted to be an architect. And I was like, what did I want to be when I was like seven? And I, I don't know. I think I went through a phase in high school where I wanted to be a, uh, a an engineer, a mechanic working on airplanes. I wanted to work for the Royal Air Force. And a repair kind of because I my father and I would work on on old cars uh, like MGs and stuff like that. There are minis and stuff, and uh, and I thought that was really cool. I don't know how that then didn't happen, and I went how I, how I stayed in science. You know, I, I don't I don't know how I chose to do biology I, or genetics. My degree was genetics. I I think I remember it being cool. <laughs> Therefore, that was a reason to go into university to study it. <laughs> don't know what made me think about doing a PhD, maybe just because I was enjoying it. I don't remember when I was doing my PhD, what I thought I was going to do at the end of it. It was just be like, oh, I'll find something. <laughs> and, um, and and the day I defended my PhD, I applied for the position in North Carolina and got it. So it all just kind of went in this nice little wave all the way along. I do remember two things were meant to happen in between my degree. Sorry, in between in between my degree and my PhD. I was meant to go and work at Australia Zoo to do an internship because I thought about kind of zoo conservation type science work. Mm-hmm. And this was when Steve Irwin was still alive and I'd communicated with him and his zoo about going there and they'd invited me to go and work at Australia Zoo in the summer between my degree and my PhD. But I ended up getting a job in the lab where I then was doing my PhD. So I just went straight into it. And then they said, well, look, don't worry about that. But once you finish your PhD, come out and do it then. Spend time with us then. Um, but at that point I finished my PhD and I was, you know, I was playing in a, in a bunch of bands at the time and we'd just done a, a bunch of big gigs. One of them was, we, we opened up for the Foo Fighters and we opened up for Audio Slave and we were oh, playing nice. with Bill as, as James Brown and stuff. It was just amazing. So I wasn't going to go to Australia to work in a zoo. I've been a rock star for a bit. Um, <laughs> oh my like, gosh, but, no but... money, making no money. So, um, <laughs> I then went straight into the postdoc in North Carolina and, and my zoo dreams disappeared kind of thing, you know? So, um, so yeah. Yeah. Do you that. wish you had a little bit? Like, did you ever meet Steve? No, no. Did I wish I had? No, no, maybe not. No. 
you know, I think I've, re I've been really happy with the way my life has kind of meandered to where I've got to this point. You know, it's all been either a bunch of happy accidents or I've just been really lucky, you know, but I, I'm really happy with where I am. You know, I, I've, I've loved every minute about being in the U.S. I don't ever desire to move back home again. Um, so we're going to be hopefully getting our citizenship soon enough in the next year or two. What's something that your parents taught you that really um, like resonated with you? Parents taught me, mm, don't be a dick. I tell my kids. Well, with my dad, my dad always taught me to kind of use my hands to, to be able to, to work on things, right? You know, so I can fix cars and I can do woodwork. You know, I've got a 100-year-old house and I can re rebuild various aspects of it. I can do all that kind of stuff. And I feel really comfortable doing that. Um, so so I think he's always like, don't be afraid of it. He's like, if you screw up, you screw up. You can get someone else to fix it for some things, you know? So I've always, I think I've always kind of took that to heart, you know? It's funny because my, um, I probably would have been, I'm trying to think what, what, what age I would have been, maybe like nine, eight or nine, that my teacher at the time told my parents that academically I wasn't very bright, but I would be a great manual laborer. <laughs> wow that's now you know but um but i suppose i could still be a manual laborer because i'm still really happy doing that kind of stuff as well you know so i think yeah my dad was just like you know don't be afraid of that kind of stuff you know so i do enjoy that it's kind of a nice way to kind of shut down my mind a little bit sometimes when you're working you can overthink things and it causes sleep problems and so i'm much easier i i, and I work really i work at night most I, I work best at night most, so like from between nine o'clock through to about two or three in the mornings, whenever I write most of my stuff. And um, but then, you know, if I'm getting up at six thirty with the kids or six fifteen with the kids, you know, I need to kind of shut my brain down a little bit after writing. Otherwise, I go to bed. I'm just still thinking about what I was writing or what I was analyzing or whatever. So, having all those kind of little different hobbies allows me to do that. You know. So yes, I thank my dad a lot for that kind of just get to it. And of course, that means that. You know, my, I end up buying way too many tools at like Home Depot and Lowe's and stuff for no reason at all. So in my basement among snakes, there's a wall with just tools. And it's just like, oh, my God, what have I done? So so my son's way more into that than the snakes. He'd rather go and take a trip to Lowe's than than, uh, than to go and see snakes. So people are like, why don't you bring your, your kids to the reptile show? And I was like, they would be bored within seconds. I couldn't do it. <laughs> but if I want if I, I can tell you that if if I said where do you want to go, you'll say Home Depot. I'm like, all right, you'll just wander around looking at stuff. So. <laughs> I love so, that. So does he build things and stuff with you? Like yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. The cool thing is that we go to Home Depot so much that they kind of get to know him. So you know, they got these little kits that they give the kids to build. Yeah. Uh -huh. Every yeah. Saturday or Sunday when we go in, they give them a different one. So then we go home and we build it together. Oh, that's really fun. That's awesome. Yeah, a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah, and you know, he he said, "What did he say? He wants this." He asked me to buy him a. It wasn't a poster board, but it was something, something to to, to pin up stuff on in his room. You know, on like like a mm -hmm. what do you call it? like a cork board. Yeah, that kind of thing. And I said, "No, we're not going to buy you one. We'll just build one." He's like, "All right, great." So he went and got a tape measure and he started measuring things to try and. He's only oh, four years old. It. We'll build out there probably at the weekend. We'll get the stuff to build out there. But I, you know, I like involving him in that kind of stuff as well. So he's a fun little dude. Looks like it's a good skill to learn. I mean, that's something he'll be able to use forever. So right, and and if he screws up, then I'll try and fix it. 
And then if I screw up, I'll get someone else to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe if I screw up, he'll fix it. I don't know. It's you never know. <laughs> you mentioned that you listen to podcasts while you're cleaning snakes. What are your what podcasts do you listen what to? What I listen to? Um, well, for years, I was really into the, the Morelia Python radio one. I still am. Um, there's that. What else am I listening to? Uh, where's my glasses? The joys of being getting older means that my eyesight turned to crap. Um, what I'm am right I... behind you. I'm not there yet. I hit, 38. I hit 38 or 40 and then I went. Oh, I'm man. Yeah. So uh, I started listening to your one a couple of weeks ago. And I've listened to Morelia Python Radio. And then there was. Um, an Aussie wildlife show I was listening to. And then I've, I've actually just moved away from those more and I've just got into music related ones. So there's one called the rock on tours, which is, um, it's music related. It's, it's a guy, there was a band called Spandau Valley back in the UK. And it's, it's, um, Gary Kemp from that and a bass player called Guy Pratt who played for like Pink Floyd and mm -hmm. oh, wow. Robert Palmer and stuff. And, and they interview different musicians every week. And I like that there a lot. And then I, I have done the kind of the old man thing and gone into Audible and have them read books to me. I read so much for my job that the last thing I want to do is read. Same so I, here. I, I just, um, I just, I, I, I've got Audible so that then I can have stories read to me. But it's all, I don't like fiction. So I like kind of factual stuff and, and everything I'm listening to is kind of like music related, like kind of autobiographies and stuff like that there. So. I can't listen to books yet. Y'all are killing me with this. We talked about that on another podcast. I have to hold the book. It's my favorite thing in the world to curl up holding a book. You should see. I spend a stupid amount of money on books every year. And my shelves have got all of these great books. And I look at it and I think I haven't picked them off the shelf since I bought them. And okay. some of them I've got. And I actually bought the audio book to listen to. <laughs> so. I even started thinking about hunting recently. Like that's even weird. I've never done that in my life. You oh, know? it's fun. I, I watched, started hunting I for years. On, on Netflix, Meat Eater. Oh, I, I love that show. I love I that show so much. You know, animals, not not other things. <laughs> but um, I love it. But I can't even. I can't own a gun because I'm not a citizen. So I don't even know why I'm thinking about it. Um, but uh, I just became fascinated by that. You know, I don't like fish, but I like to fish. I don't eat fish, but I like to fish, you know? I don't either. But I, like um, I had this grand idea. It's like, well, if I do start hunting, then the animals that I kill, I'll eat. And then I'm thinking, well, do I want to eat all of that animal? <laughs> maybe I won't go hunting. You know, maybe I'll just watch that. I mean, we we shoot deer, and then, like, my daughter's gotten a Neil guy before, and that was, like, some of the best meat ever. It's, like, really yeah. top-quality beef almost. But mm -hmm. I prefer venison over beef. I hear a lot of people say that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got a friend back at NC State. Um, he's a faculty member there, and he hunts pretty much everything that he he eats. He has hunted, and there were times where friends would, um, when he if he was away to a meeting or on vacation, a friend of mine would, uh, a grad student at the time would house sit for him, and he was like, "Yeah, the the deep freeze has got everything you need in it, and you go and look in it, and it's just more meat than you could ever imagine." And we had great time. Yeah, the food was wonderful. Um, oh yeah, if you eat like ground meat or jerky in my house, there's a ninety percent chance it's venison. Really? Yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe I'll do it at some point. I've got a, a friend of mine um, who who for part of his job you know, he schmoozes kind of wealthy kind of businessmen, and um, he takes them hunting in Oklahoma, like southern Oklahoma, every year. 
and he keeps telling me to come along and I just haven't been able to do it. Again, telling my wife, you know, I'm going to go away for four days to <laughs> drink alcohol and shoot things. I don't know she'd be really thrilled. <laughs> if I can tie it into my mother-in-law being over, then it'll be fine. But I think I'd, I feel, I think I'd like to try that, you know. I'm, I'm 44, as I say, and I've, I've killed a lot of other animals for scientific purposes, but I've never kind of popped something. So maybe it's time. But the problem is that I'll probably love it. And then I'll start buying. I say you'll love it. I'll have another. You no, know, I'll probably get really into that there, and then you know I'm going to spend thousands of dollars on all this equipment. Maybe I don't need to do that. You know, anything that's slightly I mean, addictive, I don't need to do. So. <laughs> Hunting is addictive. Yeah. So. Well, fishing I like it because the idea of just being being able to go out into the wilderness, kind of thing. You know, no, well, not necessarily the wilderness, but just not just away from kind of regular life for for a while and just be out in the open. I like the idea of that. You know, it's, you know, you don't have to go hunting to do that, right? No, that's you true as well. Go. That's very true. <laughs> you <laughs> can just true. go. That is very true. And that's, you've actually just, that's it. I don't need to go hunting. I just need to go hiking. Hiking yeah. is different, right? Just need to go. Expensive, depending on the equipment you buy for that. Let's go hunting, Warren. <laughs> <laughs> My whole family hunts, both the children and, and Robert. So Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I will at some point. You know, but probably at that time, whenever you're like, you're holding the gun, like pointing at an animal, I'll, I'll get the little... The you do. Like, no, I can't do it. Oh, yeah. So my first one was a buck and I got buck fever. Like I was like, <sighs> I, was like I gotta, gotta <laughs> calm down. I gotta make this shot. And I made it. It fell. It was great. Wow. And I've been hooked ever since. Really? Oh, uh, yeah. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. You know? I'm not huge on deer hunting. Like I've, I went... Um, kind of in high school, my boyfriend in high school, his family always went. And so um, I just kind of tagged along. Mm. I didn't actually hunt. I just went out there with them and I would sit under the trees with them and, and we would just watch the wildlife for the most part. Like I was just out there to sit down and relax and not do anything. Yeah. I mean, that's half of what you're doing is just watching wildlife because mm -hmm. I've saw so many things just sitting, doing nothing other than just waiting. Yeah. And so... Yeah. It, that's half the fun. I remember the first time I saw a ringtail cat, I was like, oh my gosh, I've never seen one of those in the wild before. I mean, it was really cool to me. Yeah. Oh, I, suppose, I suppose whenever you're hiking, you're not doing that because you're walking around, right? You're doing stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, you're rarely sitting on your butt for any period of time. So maybe maybe I just need to go and pretend to go hunting. Yeah. Just take a camera. Just take one of those little guns, the little pop guns at the end or whatever, you know? So. <laughs> just to scare them. <laughs> Oh, like you can come watch nature. I'll hunt. Right, I'll bring the beer. That's good. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So there oh, you go. Maybe one day. Yeah. yeah, I've been interested in fowl hunting. Like I, I would really love to go duck hunting and quail hunting, and I've never done that. And I think that would be really fun. So I don't want to do duck, but I want to do quail because I don't like duck. I love but duck. Quail hunting is something I'd still like to try. Yeah, the first time. The first spring that I was in the U.S., um, some of the faculty had gone quail hunting at NC State, and they had this big quail cookout that mm -hmm. uh, one of those days. And there was more—I'd never tasted quail before. That was pretty good. Yeah, it's really good. So much of it. I, I don't know how many they killed, but it, apparently <laughs> half of America's population of quail died, <laughs> uh, and we consumed pretty quickly. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe wild boar. I wouldn't mind kind of going after wild boar. That's they sound fun. delicious. So uh, it depends on what they've been eating. Yeah, and and their size and their age. True. Yeah, I was in um, I was on an island called Corsica, in mm -hmm. the Mediterranean, and um, 
there they have these wild wild pigs that wander around the island but they eat walnuts and they are delicious i've heard that oh, say that sounds good they yeah. like export the meat yeah i think you can get it in the u.s oh really i have to look into it because i remember um when i was there going to the top of this this mountain and there was a little restaurant at the top of it and they served the wild pork and it was yeah. absolutely divine so my grandparents used to live um out in the middle of nowhere texas but right on the back <laughs> side of, of their <laughs> yeah, right. yeah i mean but even in the middle of nowhere texas wow. like it, they it was called yeah in the middle of nowhere but um there used to be there was a cornfield right behind their house and um for like miles it was just corn everywhere and the wild pigs they would go and shoot wild pigs but they had been eating corn the whole time so they tasted like i mean they're they were not gamey at all right so they're not they they totally tasted like regular old pork but they were massive mm -hmm. like i know yeah huge huge well, you know it's um how they change whenever they whenever they move out of domestication is incredible you know becoming hairy growing tusks all that kind mm -hmm. of thing but, i want know. to say my big boar was like 185 pounds the first one i shot crazy and robert you remounted the skull so I, I actually have the skull at the house really yeah wow. probably yeah. delicious yeah <clears throat> they are good most yeah. of the time maybe that's what i'll go after i'm not really a big duck person i like to look at ducks i don't like to eat them mm -mm. Um, well, i think they're really pretty and they're really tasty <laughs> <laughs> I, I, love appreciate them from I think they're animals. gorgeous. I love them. I think they're so pretty, but they're really tasty. You don't like turkey. Maybe I don't like turkey. Turkeys, but then I've been told that like wild turkey. turkey are kind of very gamey or can be very gamey. I actually prefer be. them. Really? I don't I don't like turkey from the store. I prefer wild turkey. Hmm. I haven't tried it, so. Um, and they have really pretty feathers, too. I think I was right. blown away the first time I went hunting and we actually shot a turkey and I got up close and the feathers are like, they're just really pretty. I mm -hmm. mean, they're brown-ish, but they're mm -hmm. super iridescent yeah. and they're gorgeous. I had, it was funny. We had a, a couple of grad students in the department uh, eight or nine years ago and, and we all got together for Easter. I don't know why, but we all kind of made a dish and went to somebody's house. <laughs> and this student brought a, uh, brought a squirrel that he had gunned down in his yard and roasted a squirrel. Nice. I was just like, what the hell have I moved to? Where am I? You know, but yeah, there we had roasted squirrel. Oh, well, that's what I was going to tell you. So in Fort, because we were talking about turkeys too. Did you know in Fort Worth, if you, if you um, walk the Trinity Trail, um, it's, so the Trinity River, they have like a, a trail that mm -hmm. you can bike and hike and all kinds of stuff. There's turkey on the Trinity River Trail, oh, like in the middle yeah. of Fort Worth in the city. I was like, cool. what? Actually, looking at because I'm I'm teaching a course at the moment about urban evolution, so how organisms kind of adapt and evolve and to urban living. Yeah. And uh, and uh, those things kind of come up, you know, turkeys living, the white-tailed deer living near downtown areas, all that kind of stuff. We have white-tailed deer around us. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, I I live in Midtown Tulsa, so I don't know if you've ever been to Tulsa, but it's a you know it's a five hundred thousand people city, mm -hmm. and, and it's really compact, so. It's relatively highly urbanized, and um, just a couple of days ago, I, I watched a red fox just wander down my my yard, my street. Oh, like, what the hell? You know, cool. it's in the middle of in the middle of midtown. So, <laughs> I love it. You know, so it's cool seeing that kind of stuff. 
It, yeah, whenever I whenever I moved to Raleigh, I just thought, wow, this is amazing. Because coming from Ireland, where there are no snakes, right, and you've got one species of lizard that's really hard to find, I thought, I'm going to be out every day finding snakes. It's going to be wonderful. And I remember going into one of our local forests in Raleigh, and, um, and I walked out, and I was covered in ticks, and I thought, I'm never doing that again. Screw <laughs> that. Don't you find wild snakes. And remarkably, I haven't done a lot of herping in the U.S. Everything that I've done has been Central America and stuff. Um, have I done? Yeah. But I get like where I am, I can, even though I'm in downtown Tulsa, I can drive for 10 minutes and I can find about 30 copperheads in about three hours in one of our local parks. So I can find stuff, but I can stay on the concrete. You know, I don't need to wander off into the into the um, understory to get covered in ticks. Yeah. I am. Um, yeah, I try not to tell the neighbors. And so on my Facebook page, you very rarely see me post anything about snakes. Mm -hmm. I save that for my like my Instagram thing. That's a totally different kind of. Yeah. Uh, it's totally separate. You know, I think if my neighbors knew that what I had in my basement. Same. You know, <laughs> I might start a witch hunt. You know, so. <laughs> we so we had the city called on us twice. Really. For snakes, like we're not we're we're they don't have city ordinances about them. Mm -hmm. Um. But people have called called the city on us twice to yeah. come out, and that, so the the city the officers will show up and they take pictures with the snakes and yeah. they, they get the blast. Because I mean, yeah. again, I mean, we're we're able to keep them in city limits, and there's right. there's no issues. So yeah, 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 yeah. And as long as you're doing it right, you're, everything's healthy. Then they've got yeah. no problems with it. No, no. So, yeah, it's just that mentality that some people have of you know, there's not the snakes. So I can tell you that if my next door neighbor had 180 spiders, I'd be like, you're a freak. So. <laughs> yeah, I have one and he I, he scares me half to death anyway, so. Yeah, did you get it? I want one. You got, to like, you got that spider to kind of get over the fear of spiders? Yeah. Yep. I don't think that works at all, by the way. Nope. So I don't have a fear of spiders, but I don't necessarily like them either, but I'm going to get one. Really? Mm -hmm. I want a Versicolor. No, I don't like cool. them. Yeah, they're, they're neat. But I, yeah, I um, I see enough of them in the rainforest. To, that's fine. I see them wandering around there, and even here, like yeah, if I do go herping, you know, every rocky flip over has got another tarantula underneath it. I'm like, well, that's yeah, it. we have several that live in our yard. So. Really? <laughs> yeah, we have big brown ones. But yeah, yeah, yeah there's holes all over my yard. <laughs> Tarantulas. <laughs> Thankfully, downtown here we don't have them wandering around too much. So yeah, <laughs> so. no, we have we have quite a few of them usually but i don't spray like i don't spray stuff on my yard right. or like yeah. i don't treat it for anything yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they're the, i think they're interesting the bigger the, the the bigger ones i'm fine with once they get small yep mm -hmm. you know, i want to be able to see them clearly and right. i i like that the bigger ones usually move a little slower and 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 the 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 versicolor the avicularia kind of stuff they're kind of neat they're very um, neat they are cool. I, I do like those. Well, which sorry, is why no, I, I don't like them. that one. I tolerate them more. <laughs> exactly. I was like, if I'm gonna get one, I want it to be pretty to look at. Yeah, I just yeah. No. no, no, no. I have a green bottle blue. Oh really? Mm -hmm. Are they not kind of? Are they? Are they not kind of aggressive? I don't. Really so they they don't tolerate being handled, which is just yeah. fine because I'm not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I'm not. I barely stick my hand in there if I have to. So, 
poor thing. So I had to put him in a new enclosure. I bought a new enclosure at, at Arlington and tried to get him out of the old one and put him in the new one. I felt so bad. Like he flicked all of the hairs <laughs> off of his abdomen. Well, I had to make Jack do it. I was like, I can't, y'all. Like, I can't. No, uh, Maria actually did it for me. I was going to say, oh, really? I would have called Maria. Yes. Maria, because Maria was here. And I was like, you have to move him real fast before you leave. <laughs> I can't do this. No. I could not. I don't need it. No. And if I, I just look at him and he's he's just like a, a centerpiece. So yeah. I was like, there's jumping spiders in here. The tarantula passed away. He doesn't have a tarantula in here anymore. But there are a couple of jumping spider enclosures over here to my side. So... So like the, the local kind of little jumping spiders or these, um, yeah. yeah, so I find them in my yard all the time. There's like one that always sits on my, on my fence whenever I'm kind of leaving. So they're kind of cool. I like little, them. We make these little jumping spider enclosures and so yeah, they're, neat. There. they're kind of cool, but they don't really look like spiders. You know, they're, they're no, just, they're not scary. You know, I do like those. They're kind of neat. We see a lot of them here, especially on our fence, you know, between our house and our, our cars. So. Mm -hmm. Common to see them kind of sitting on the car in the morning. You know, you're trying to get the little beast away, and it jumps away and jumps back again. It's just a pain in the ass. But I, I just cool. ignore it. Just get in and go on about my business. If it jumps I, on me, I'm just going to flip it off. I, I do think one of my former grad students did keep some in the in the lab for a while. The little jumping spiders. That's funny. Yeah, I never went that far into the lab to find out. <laughs> like I did. Far end. So yeah, cool. I do like them. But yeah, they're, they're the spiders I could tolerate. Everything else, yeah. you know, in the wild, fine. doesn't need to be in my house. I, I don't want it in my house. And if it's in my house, I'm going to like catch it with a paper and a cup or something. And I'm going to go put it back outside. Like, you know, with a hundred year old house, I'm like, well, it's going to be like in the basement. There's going to be brown recluse. So there's going to be, and I'm like, I don't. Uh, well, I've enjoyed this. It's been fun talking. It's fun. It's fun talking about just other different things, right? It's yeah. like, how do you breed your boas? Blah, 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 you know? So mm -hmm. I like that. That's why I like talking to Chris Eaton. Anytime yeah. I see him, you know, it's always, you know, we're not talking about snakes really at all. So I, I, like, I was on the phone with him for like 30 minutes earlier on my drive home from work today. So Yeah, yeah he and I, we, we text or message frequently, mainly mocking ball pythons, but that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's great. great. Good stuff. Well, all I'm right, you want yeah. Do you want to tell people how to get a hold of you before you run? Sure. Um, if you want to uh, find me, Instagram's a good way. Just look up Boa Booth. Um, the cunning or the, the the play on words that I did with my last name. Yeah. Because um, I keep Boas. Um, you can also find that on Facebook, but I don't really use the Facebook kind of Boa Booth page much anymore. Um, there's no point really looking me up on Facebook from under my name because I get a lot of requests and I, I rarely accept them unless I've really sat down and talked with people Go because mine. yeah just send me a request just send I did um, you did yes I just I'm going to find it right yeah. um, um you're in purgatory yeah, yeah probably, probably I've got like literally just like four thousand that I've not yeah. um but all you're going to see on my Facebook is kind of like pictures of my kids or music I like those or whatever. So, I like yeah, pictures of kids I follow your kid pics send me send me that request again I'll, I'll look for gotcha. it um but um, the other thing is just to just search me on Google. You'll find me. I'm not hard to find. So, so you said the the book you're you're hoping to work on a book and it come out in the next couple of years. I think, but yeah, probably for the next two years, it'll be the more complete tree boa, or sorry, not the more complete. It's just the complete tree boa because we haven't had a 
yeah, it'll be the first version of that. That's what Excellent. we're looking at. Yeah. Well, good luck with that. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Thank Thank you. It's been fun. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the In Blue Reptile podcast on the Reptile Gumbo Network. Y'all take care.